Here we are for the second edition of the Pinewood Perspective. we got a great episode for you today. We're going to be uh, talking about hard knocks. We're not going to give you guys the recap on it because you guys can go ahead and watch yourself and get your opinions on it yourself. But we're going to be talking about hard knocks. Michael Thomas and the Saints, are they having a falling out? Dolphins and Xavier Howard are now best friends again. Josh Allen overpaid or just right. Darius Leonard just got $20 million per year. Are the Chicago Bears screwed because of that? And then Sean McVay said that there is zero chance Matt Stafford will ever take a preseason snap. And then we have our weekly segment, Overrated, Underrated. I'm Will G. I'm JB. I'm Justin Matthews. And this is the Pinewood Perspective. Let's go ahead and hop right into this week's episode of the Pinewood Perspective. Let's kick things off in Indianapolis with Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, both today receiving five-year extensions through 2026. You know, this is something that usually happens when a team is coming off of a Super Bowl year or at least a Super Bowl appearance. Um, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have not gotten past the divisional round together. So... This brings up the question, has Frank Reich done enough to earn a five-year extension? JB, we'll go ahead and start with you. Um, You said Frank Reich? Yeah, and Chris Ballard. Both earned five-year extensions. Well, yeah. Are you asking me specifically one of them or just both of them together? We'll go We'll go Frank Reich. Has he earned a fi- enough for a five-year extension? Um, I feel like they're doing everything right out in Indianapolis, kind of building young defense and then kind of banking their offense off of it. Um, obviously, this little Carson Wentz project that they're bringing in, uh, if that works out for them, obviously it was well worth the contract. Um, but even if it doesn't work out, I feel like they're good enough. Uh, Frank Reich, this being, he's good enough of a head coach to bring in somebody else, uh, quarterback free agent, that would be able to turn their, uh, their offense around. So, yeah, I think he's well worth it. Yeah, I would have to agree. Justin, I want to get your standpoint on this before I dive into my standpoint on this. What do you think? Do you think Frank Reich has done enough to earn the five-year extension in Indianapolis? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with JB. How long has he been? He been in, um... 2018 is 2018 was his first year. Same year as Matt Nagy. Yeah, um, he definitely has. I believe um, he's, like JB said, kind of kept that team um, – just competitive. They're building the roster the right way. Not so many big, uh, like big name guys, but just good quality guys from um, the young skill positions that they have. The um, the running backs, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. They pretty much just missing a quarterback. So yeah, the way that the roster has been built over the past few seasons, they've remained to be um, competitive. So yeah, I believe he does deserve a five year contract. Yeah, for, I would probably have to agree with both of you guys on this. I mean, you look at Frank Reich's record in three years. He's 28 and 20, and that's with three different quarterbacks. You know, he comes into the system with Andrew Luck. They go 10 and 6, and they go to the divisional round, and then you – Andrew Luck retires, and Frank Reich handled that beautifully. You know, next thing you know, they have Jacoby Brissett, and they go 7 and 9. 
with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Jacoby Brissett looks like, you know, halfway decent quarterback out there with Frank Reich. Last year, they give Phillip Rivers, you know, one last little ride. And then they just had a tough matchup against the Bills, who are one of the best teams in the NFL in the first round. And I agree with your standpoint, uh, Justin, with like, you know, they don't have that many big name guys other than you could probably argue, you know, Darius Leonard and um, Quentin Nelson, you know, best offensive lineman in the NFL other than that. And then DeForest Buckner. Outside of that, it's just a bunch of really solid dudes who just ball out. Rocky Sin defensively, he's one of my favorite DBs in the league. He's not the greatest DB in the league, but he's just a baller, you know, competitive. And I love that dude's name, Rocky Sin. That's one of the most badass names <laughs> in the NFL. But offensively, you know, like they just got they just got grinders, you know, good old Jack Doyle offensively, my boy. Uh, like you said, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Zachary Pascal. And I love their running back room. You know, I'm pretty sure they brought Marlon Mack, Mack, Mar- Marlon Mack back. I'm not for sure on that. But Naheem Hines and, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I'm really excited about Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. It's just, you know, they've been a quarterback away. And Frank Reich has handled that beautifully. And that's why I think Carson Wentz could work out in Indianapolis if he can stay healthy. Because Frank Reich turned him into an MVP. And then once he got hurt, Frank Reich turned him into, you know, uh, or turn Nick Foles into a Super Bowl MVP. So I think that Frank Reich is the right man for the job. I think he's one of the most underrated head coaches in the NFL. Um, people talk about your Bruce Arians, you talk about your Bill Belichicks, but Frank Reich doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves. And I think that this five-year extension is well worth it because no matter who's going to be throwing the ball, they're always going to be a competitive team, 100%. Let's go ahead and move on to Hard Knocks. Um, hard Knocks kicked off last night, people. Uh, I have not gotten around to watching it last night. You know, I had a busy night last night. Um, couldn't get to it, but, uh, I heard it was pretty halfway decent. I just want to dive into the fact of the Cowboys being the center of the NFL once again. Um, and they're going to be the center of the NFL for the next few weeks. And of course, leading up to Thursday night football, they are once again, the center of the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucks going week one. So, I'm personally upset that the Cowboys were picked as the hard knocks teams. I just want to see if you guys are just as upset. Like who, like JB, we'll go ahead and start with you again. Do you think that the hard, that the hard knocks should have picked the Cowboys this year? Um, Again, I haven't gotten around to watch it yet either, but um, I wouldn't say like mad or disappointed, but um, I definitely think that there is better options that they probably could have picked for the hard knocks. But um I don't know. I think the Cowboys are overhyped to begin with. So I think that's just a little built up hatred of my own. I just think I just think it has to do with just the fact that they're the Dallas Cowboys. And that's the only reason they well, I mean, other than you know what I guess direction is the offense moving towards, and I guess getting to see the fact of you know Dak Prescott coming back from ankle injury. What is the like? What is there to find out about the Dallas Cowboys? We know the Dallas Cowboys' identity. We know that they, you know, they have a decent defensive line, of okay secondary at best, but their linebacker room is loaded. We can agree on that. You know, Leighton Vander if he can stay healthy, um, they just added Micah Parsons and Jalen Smith. I mean, those are some dogs defensively. 
And then, you know, they have a decent offensive line. They have Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup. You know, they got weapons offensively. But what is there to know and learn about the Dallas Cowboys? They are the center of attention every single year, no matter what their record is, because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Why in the fuck do they need to be the headline for HBO's Hard Knocks? Because, like, America's team, baby. That's it. Justin, Justin, I want to hear your aspect on this. Yeah, and that's another another thing. The I hate the America's team because it's. I mean, if we're being honest, it's the the. It's the, not. Uh, I mean, that's the the golden standard. You know what I'm saying? You keep winning, and I mean, they won. I mean, you know, back in the '90s, and it was nice, but they haven't. I mean, how many playoff games have they won since then? Uh, like one. They beat the Seahawks. That's uh, it. Yeah. They have. Yeah. Since their last Super Bowl, they beat the Seahawks in 2018, which was their first playoff win in, like, 22 years. In, like, 22. I mean, you if we're talking about America's team right here, fucking JB, you're not going to like this, but it should be the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, they just – yeah, so they pretty – Oh, my God. You good there, Justin? We can't hear you. You're kind of breaking up. You got us? What were you saying? Say, say, say that again, Will. You kind of. We lost you there for a second. What were you saying, though? No, I was just saying, yeah, it's basically um, America's team. It should be the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's not much that we need to find out about Dallas because they get so many, so much media coverage as it is. And they've been on hard knocks before, right? Twice. Yeah, right? like I yeah, I think back in like 2011, maybe earlier than that, yeah. maybe, maybe early. Like I think it was like Romo TO. Like, yeah, range. like yeah. Like yeah, right, right, right. So probably like 09-ish, maybe something around that. But yeah. point is, yeah, it's not much that we wanna that we need to know. And there's so many other teams that could deserve that that opportunity to have the spotlight on them that's I'm I'm more in, in yeah, excuse me, interested in. So I mean Hundred percent. So I know that there's, I know that there's standards for being a hard knocks team. I know that you like, you can turn it down if you have like one of three things: a brand new head coach, which the Cowboys don't. So they, I mean, they are obviously a candidate because they got picked this year. If you have a brand new head coach, you can turn down hard knocks. If you made the playoffs last year, you can turn down hard knocks. Nine times out of ten, if you made the playoffs the year before. Hard Knocks won't even ask you. They're looking for teams who are looking to turn it around, which is why there was many better candidates. We already know the identity of the Dallas Cowboys. And then I think the other reason, the other thing is if you have maybe a rookie quarterback, I'm not sure on that entirely, but there was much better options across the board. You have one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, which they do have a new coach, so they could have turned it down, but much better options. You know, Urban Meyer, how's he going to make his transition into the NFL? How's Trevor Lawrence going to make his transition into the NFL? That's that's a big thing. You got your two biggest pieces, your head coach and your quarterback. How are they going to transition? But my pick, personally, would have been the Carolina Panthers. They're a team who was kind of, what, you know, hanging around 500 just a little bit last year, maybe a few games under 500. You bring in Sam Darnold. How's he going to make his transition from Jets, you know, being perceived as a bust? to now going to a new system. You have weapons offensively. Um, Christian McCaffrey's coming off of injury. Their defense has so many question marks. That is the perfect team. That was by far the perfect team. 
And, you know, that's why the Browns were so good like three years ago when they had the Browns. The Raiders were a good team. Last year, you you know, you were in the middle of a COVID year. You had Chargers and Rams combined. Kind of sucked. Wasn't even that good. But the Cowboys, we already know their identity. We already know Mike McCarthy. We already know what Dak Prescott's bringing to the table. He's a great quarterback. There was just absolutely no reason that they needed to be the center of attention. And I want to go bring up one more thing. I'm going to say my standpoint on why the Patriots should be America's team, JB. And then you can give your two cents because you were over there shaking your head. First of all, six Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Phenomenal. Winning constantly. You know, maybe their days are over. We don't know. Is Mac Jones the guy? Could still be. Two, Patriot, Boston. I mean, like, pretty much founder of the fucking country right there. One of the first, you know, founding father cities right there. Boston, Patriots. Fucking, that's America's team right there. Consistently winning over the last 20 years. And let's not forget, they lost three Super Bowls in that standpoint. And they lost one in the 80s and one in the 90s. They have been there now 10 or 12. What? No. They've been there now 11 times. I mean, that's America's team to me, is the, is the New England Patriots. Cowboys, I guess they kind of earned it in the 90s, but that should not have stuck. You know, that should have been a few years and done type deal right there. So, JB, I want to hear your who should be America's team here because you're over there shaking your head because you hate Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I don't hate Bill Belichick. I don't. I hate Tom Brady. But um, (laughs) (laughs) in that sort of sense, I I just don't think there's any team that I would say is necessarily America's team because there's always somebody somewhere that's going to hate your team. You know, there's at least three other teams in that division that hate you. So there's no one liked team by America. Well, it's the Packers. Well, it's the it's the Cowboys. Well, it's the Patriots. No, it's not. Fuck Tom Brady. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> fuck them all, dude. Fuck the Cowboys. I had to get him fired up. I knew we would get him fired up. I had to get him fired up. Let's move on to Michael Thomas. Um, sending out some cryptic tweets. And I saw the funniest fucking tweet the other day. It was, I'm going to read off what Michael Thomas said first. And it was, they tried to damage your reputation. Reputation, You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. And I've seen the funniest shit ever. It was like quarterback tweets. And it was like, hell yeah, great team win. Love working with my dogs. Same with like running backs. Like, oh, let's eat. And then it was like, Fucking wide receivers always just tweeting out the most drama BS ever. And it's just, it was hilarious because that's exactly what Michael Thomas is doing right now. I mean, I feel like we can all agree. Biggest drama queens in the NFL. Let's go ahead and give it to the wide receivers. Those dudes are just, you know, cry babies. And it cracks me up because, I mean, I don't know why. Huh? Can't forget the TikTok boys. Yeah, you got you. They're just, yeah, Juju and Claypool, like. These dudes are just drama queens. I don't know what it is about wide receivers that makes them so egotistical, but I mean, it cracks me. It cracks me up. So, you know, Saints and Michael Thomas are having some beef and it all starts with him delaying his surgery until June after missing eight games last year. The recovery time right now is four months, leaving him out for at least probably the first couple of weeks of the season. We're looking at probably like an October return. So I wouldn't be surprised if he misses five to seven five to seven weeks of the first NFL season. Um, And I seen Michael Thomas like a tweet that said, my guess is the Saints asked Michael Thomas not to get surgery 
in January so he could play in the playoffs. And he liked it. And now he's getting a surgery and now they're mad about it. And I was like, oh, I mean, that'd be pretty messed up with the Saints. <laughs> We're actually asking him not to get surgery to play in the playoffs. Um, so if you guys are the Saints, are you guys mad that he's delayed his surgery this long? Or do you guys think that there's probably a little bit more to this story? You always, I feel like you got to always try to, I mean, you you can only read so much so deep into it, right? Because we're not there. We're not in training camp. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But I feel like, <laughs> like okay, like we said, receivers are drama queens, right? These are the guys that get the ball. They score the touchdown. They get to dance in the end zone, you know. So I feel like for whatever reason, this is just a theory I have. I could be completely wrong. I feel like Michael Thomas wants to leave the Saints because him delaying this surgery, I mean, it's bad blood there, it seems like, from, from what it appears to be. It's bad blood. Um, Michael Thomas delayed the surgery, and I feel like he just doesn't want to be there. Maybe I feel like, you know, Drew, uh, Drew Brees has left, and maybe he don't have faith in Jameis Winston. He wants to get traded, so he's trying to do whatever he can to, you know, cause friction and because it just don't make sense of why – well, to me, it don't – of why he would, you know, delay his surgery. And – I feel like he did that. He's going to probably come back and, you know, just because the surgery is over and he's back on the roster doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, completely healthy 100%. He's going to probably be on some, oh, you know, still hurting. I still feel a little sore, soreness and, you know, so yeah. I don't know how it go. But, I mean, I feel like, yeah, he probably just won't out of New Orleans. And real quick, this um, – I don't know if you said it or not because it's kind of freezing, but Sean Payton uh, – Sean Payton quote – he said, well, look, it appears we're going to have to spend some time without him. It's disappointing, and we'll work through it with the other players that are there. But the surgery took place, and obviously we would have liked that to happen earlier than later, and quite honestly, it should have. So Sean Payton seemed like he got a problem with it as well, and it's all just, like I said, we can't look too too far into it. But, yeah, I don't think Michael Thomas wants to be in New Orleans anymore. Well, the issue is if they trade him, they eat $32 million in cap space. And I don't know if you guys have checked out the New Orleans cap space situation. It's not good at yeah. all. Like, they are riding, and they don't even have – I mean, James, they're riding on James Winston to be that guy because they got they ain't got shit to spend. So you trade away Michael Thomas, you're eating $32 million in dead cap, which right now your team pretty much can't not afford in any way whatsoever. So you have to think about how is this going to play out? You can't trade him. That's $32 million. But if he's beefing with your team, he's beefing with the head coach. That's what I'm saying, All right? He being a cancer to the locker room. He probably just trying to force his way out. Yeah, I mean, like, like, well, I mean, what the, like, what the fuck can you do? Like, you're getting screwed here either way. You're either eating $32 million in dead cap and, you know, you're losing a premier receiver. But, I mean, you are probably getting a hefty return for Michael Thomas. Or you just don't play without your star receiver. I personally think that things will probably get, you know, things will probably mend their way, you know, in a few weeks and we're not even talking about the situation anymore. And Michael Thomas is on his way back. Hopefully they can mend the situation, but I don't, I mean, JB, what do you think? Do you think that there's more to the story or I feel you like think Michael Thomas is just being a drama queen. I feel like it's easy to just kind of agree with Justin and say that maybe Michael Thomas just wants out and he's been playing in a division with Jameis Winston, 
and he just knows that he's not capable of what Drew Brees was, and maybe he wants out. But being the guy I am, obviously deep diving a little more into the situation, I would – what makes sense to me, I would say that the Saints probably were just like giving him – what is it? Cortisone shots. Mm-hmm. Probably just making him uh, – The fucking – are you talking about the, yeah, the numbing – like? Yeah, the shit that makes the pain go away. Right, yeah. <laughs> Saying, like, yeah, this is our last ride with Drew Brees. Like, we'd really want you to be a part of it. Like, Drew wants you to be a part of it, this and that. And now that it's delayed, I feel like he was – this is kind of just like him slapping it back in their face for making him play on it injured, if that makes sense. That could be a reason. That's valid. I, yeah, I, get, I definitely get that point, you know, kind of pulling some uh, varsity blues on him. You know, pulling him into the locker room, giving him the shot in the ankle and the shit yeah, like that. I, I could definitely see something like that happening, especially knowing that, well, they probably knew before uh, that it was going to be Drew Brees' last ride. And just kind of oh yeah, 100%. Pushing, him, pushing him out onto the field. So, other than Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, who are probably going to be their two leading receivers this year, they're not really working with much. But let's look at the, you know, available free agents on the board. You got Larry Fitz and Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they're two of the most notable names on the board. There's not many that many free agent receivers left. And it's unfortunate because Saints definitely need another wide receiver too, but they can't pay anyone because they are fucked in the cap situation. So we're looking at probably vet minimums for someone like Larry Fitz or Alshon Jeffrey. Do you think uh, signing either of these options are worth it? you know, with the limited cap space you have, or do you think you kind of just say, fuck, uh, fuck 2021, we're screwed. JB, we'll start with you. I could see them maybe going out and getting somebody like an Alshon Jeffrey for pretty cheap. Um, maybe it's worth it to just bring a guy in just to bring him in. Um, they're definitely not getting Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitz is either going to go back to the Cardinals or he's going to sign with the Vikings. And there's no in between um, outside of retirement. Um, but then, yeah, getting somebody like Elshon wouldn't make sense on a back home <clears throat> for like a mil. I just think, you know, my yeah, boy, famous James. They got a good young core, though, for wide receivers. I don't like to be, I don't like, you know, any famous Jameis slander around here. You know, I love me some famous Jameis. You know, we eating W's, stealing the crab legs. I love it. That's and then you know, out the he's dude. He's just slinging the rock. That's all he's doing. He's slinging them rocks, man. Five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. Are we going to talk about the thirty interceptions with it? No, because five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns, baby. I mean, what is more fun than that? I mean, that is just a fuck it. I'm throwing it up kind of dude. And he had weapons, so he. I think with Michael Thomas, he can, and he had the LASIK eye surgery. Don't forget about the LASIK eye surgery. He gets a year to learn from Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Sean Payton's going to turn this man around. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not really joking in that sense. Like, I don't think he's going to become a top-tier quarterback by any means. But I do think that Jameis Winston can find success in New Orleans. I really do. Um, I mean, throwing 30 touchdowns at 5,000 yards is a very, like, very large amount of numbers right there. Like, that's big numbers. The 30 interceptions is where he needs to work on. And, you know, he can grow and learn from that. He makes half less interceptions and, you know, sticks with the touchdowns and the yards. I mean, we're talking about a potential MVP season in some years. 
15 touch or 15 interceptions with 30 to 35 touchdowns at 5,000 yards. We're talking MVP numbers right there. He cuts his mistakes in half. I think he can be successful, um, but he needs another option. So Alshon Jeffrey, in my opinion, would probably be a better option than Larry Fitz. Justin, what do you think? You think the Saints should go out there and sign one, sign someone, or you think they should just kind of say, you know, we're hitting the rebuild? Um. Yeah, if they can get one of those guys, they definitely should. Um, Larry Fitz and Alshon are definitely the most two notable. Um, Larry Fitz isn't going anywhere. If he if he comes back, he's going to play with Arizona, I think. And if not, he's just going to retire. I think he's an Arizona guy. He wants to stay in Arizona. I don't know where just uh, uh, JB got the Vikings from. What, he went to college his, in Minnesota? His dad, his dad was a Viking. No, man, he's staying in Arizona. He's going to stay in Arizona or he's going to uh, retire. But as far as um, – Come home. Uh, <laughs> as far Come as uh, Alshon, I'm not, I'm not big on Alshon. I think Alshon is way past his prime. Uh, definitely they should get him because the guys that they have, uh, Traquan Smith and Damian Harrison, they 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 young guys. They, I don't think that they're ready at all. And I, I kind of looked at the list. I saw um, – Maybe Kenny Stills, Golden Tate, uh, even even Josh Gordon. Maybe I don't know what's going on with him in his situation. I would take some of those guys. I'm, I would take a look at some of those guys as well. So that's, that's what I think. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this situation plays out. I wish nothing but not injury wise, but I wish nothing but torture for Alshon Jeffrey. Like I <laughs> not injury wise. Like I hope I'm never gonna wish an injury on a dude like ever. But I wish nothing but bad success for that man. I mean, for him to, you know, leave Chicago where we treated him with the utmost respect and love and then just bash us like the way he did and talk about how Chicago wasn't my home. It was just my job and talk about how we were so awful when everyone in the stadium was wearing his jersey because he was the best player on our team. I hope that dude goes somewhere and, you know, just fucking sucks because that man, I hate that man so much. But, yeah, uh, the other options, Kenny Stills, Golden Tate, you know, decent options um, that you add to a squad and, you know, they get, you know, a good 300, 400 yards for you if you're lucky. That's about it. But uh, Jameis Winston needs a lot more. Last time he was throwing the rock, he had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So Jameis Winston needs help. Let's move on uh, down to my boys down in South Beach. Xavier Howard and the Dolphins, you know, their best friends again, restructuring Howard's deal, keeping Howard happy, and Miami with a premier defensive back. You know, obviously, Xavier requested a trade, but they said it was a respectful trade request. You know, there was no beef going on in the front office between Xavier and, you know, Flores and GM over there. And, you know, now they've, you know, they, they just, you know, they went through a you know, classic couple, you know, they, they didn't need to take a break. There was things going on. They needed to figure some things out. They still saw each other. They were hanging around the same friend group. And, you know, they were just like, you know why we love each other. And now we've got it all figured out. So, JB, is Miami's defense going to be one of the best in the league? One of the no, best in the league? One out. One of the best in the league. Is it going to be one of the best defenses in the league? Uh... What do we consider one of the best in the league? Like top what? I'd say top eight. I think they're that's, ranked top eight. 
I would say they're probably eight to 10 range. I would say a top defense in the league is, you know, yeah, one fourth of the entire NFL, which is eight teams. And I think that they have potential. Justin, I want to hear your thoughts, though. Is Miami going to be one of the best defenses in the league? Okay. So, <laughs> so last year, Miami ran a lot of um, cover zero, or at least it appeared that way, right? Mm-hmm. So they were only truly in cover zero about, I want to say, maybe 10% of the time. And for anyone who doesn't know, cover zero is basically everybody on the line. You don't get any help out deep. Uh, mm-hmm. So you either basically rushing the quarterback or uh, playing man. Yeah, it's, it's just man, it's that, man um, defense. It's like all dogs go. And um, yeah. last year, and Henry Henry Ruggs got behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they ran a lot of that last year, and it was successful for for the most part. But it's very high risk, high reward, and it didn't always work. Like for instance, when they went against the Chiefs last year, they had. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, they got those fast guys out there. Um, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, they kind of just did, um, uh, not quick slants, um, screen, you know. Um, yeah, bubble screen, stuff like that. I get I get, I get, what you're saying. Yeah, you know, get to the outside. And um, San Francisco did it too. They just did it with the, uh, you know, run game. Anyway, my point is they also don't have necessarily big, big name guys on that defense. Um, but they will re- re- regress. And in, in, a, in a nutshell, I think that uh, Miami does regress for three reasons. The first reason being teams are going to catch on to that. Like I said, it's high risk, high reward. So it's kind of like when Lamar Jackson had his MVP season, he's running all over everybody. Then the following season, he kind of still effective, but, you know, slowed down a little bit. Um, other, other teams are going to catch on to what they're doing. And so that's the first reason. The second reason is um, the interceptions, all those interceptions that Xavier Howard had last year. I think that goes down a lot of them, not to take anything from him, but a, a lot of those was kind of bad quarterback, less good Xavier Howard, even though he is phenomenal. I think the interceptions go down for him, and they also lose a key piece of that defense, which is Kyle Van Noy. And they lost him. That brings me to my third point they lost him to a division rival in the new england patriots and the entire division has gotten better around them you got emmanuel sanders giving josh allen another weapon you got um the patriots who completely kind of revamped the roster they went all in on free agency early this year and the jets i don't think that they're going to be much of a threat to miami this year but i mean you never know um zach wilson could turn out to be a superstar quarterback. So I just feel with all those things going on for them, I feel like they're going to regress at least a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I think personally, Brian Flores is a defensive genius. I think he's probably the best coach to maybe come out of the Belichick system. You know, Matt Patricia didn't work out. Josh McDaniels didn't work out, even though Josh McDaniels was offensive. Um, And then there's a few others, but Brian Flores had, I mean, going 10 and six last year with, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa, you know, playing fucking 50-50 ball. That was pretty impressive, in my opinion. But like you said, things have kind of changed around the AFC East. Mm-hmm. The Jets are going to be coming down with a whole different look, but I agree that the Jets aren't going to be that much of a threat offensively to them. 
Patriots are revamped their offense. You know, it's not going to be easy. And we're talking, and then the Bills offense is definitely still one of the best in the league. And we're talking about that six games out of the 17 they play. And we all know that the AFC is pretty much a powerhouse. You know, Miami walked away with the second best record in their division. So you can lock up, they play one entire division. And if it's the AFC West, they're screwed. But I don't think it is um, because they played the AFC West last year. But I don't know what their schedule is like, but the AFC is just kind of a tougher division. Other than that, I still think that their defense is going to be a top eight division. I will think I agree on the fact that, you know, Xavier and Howard is going to regress probably. Um, it's hard to match 10 defense. It's it's hard to match. It's hard to bet. It's hard to match 10 interceptions in a season. Like it is. So I think we will see regression out of Xavier Howard, but I don't think that Kyle Van Noy is going to be as big of a loss as we think he's going to be because of Jalen Phillips. I think Jalen Phillips is going to easily go in there and replace him. I completely forgot about him. You're right, Will. I completely forgot about him. You're right. And then they got uh, Jerome Baker defensively. Um, I, I think that they're going to they're gonna put up numbers defensively. I think top eight in the league is Adam, Jason McCourty, too. Jason McCourty, I don't know how that dude is still considered yeah, one of the top safeties in the league. But. It's a little out of his prime, but definitely uh, better in presence. What were they last year? Number like six ranked defensively? You guys know? Ooh. That's a good question. I, I, I think they was like number six. Yeah, I could see them at number eight. I completely forgot about those. Uh, Jerome Baker and um, Jalen Phillips. You are. Jason McCourty. I want to talk about Jason McCourty, dude. That dude gets Madden rated. Like, he, he's got like a 91 Madden rating this year. He's got like the third highest Madden rating. Like, I swear, that dude has just been like the best Madden safety. Like, not the best, but like he's always been like a top four Madden safety. I don't know what it is with Jason McCourty. And no, Jason I'm just McCourty. giving him a like an 80s 80s something am i thinking of his brother then devin yeah his yeah play for the patriots yeah okay yeah even that i mean the fuckers are old <laughs> and i mean they didn't like i don't know They're, they were some savages like four years ago but they they still uh, devin gets madden ratings out the ass every year and that, that shit pisses me off let's move on to the other team in the afc east though um, Josh Allen and the Bills, baby. How about that? Pay day. Six years, $258 million deal. Locking him up for until 2027. $43 million a year right after his third full season. Justin, I'll start with you on this one. How do you feel about this extension? Um, I feel very good about it. I feel like if you're a Bills fan, you should be ecstatic. They absolutely can win a Super Bowl in that time. I feel like I feel like they got better this offseason. I would only probably try to bolster their pass rush and maybe find a more capable running back. Um, the Bills are trending upward for sure. I don't think they necessarily match up with the Chiefs as well as another team like the uh, Cleveland Browns. I feel like it's a terrible matchup wise for the uh, Kansas City, but. I feel like in six years they can they can challenge Kansas City for sure. Josh Allen, I expect him to get better. He's excuse me, literally gotten better every single year, and they just gave him another weapon, veteran uh, receiver, slot guy, and um, Emmanuel Sanders. So I feel like they can um, they can really yeah uh, challenge for a Super Bowl in the coming years. JB, 
your thoughts on this extension? I mean, I like Josh Allen. I've had no reason to not like Josh Allen. Um, they could probably use a better running back, kind of buy another option to uh, give him a little bit more time to reach those weapons. But, yeah, like Justin was saying, I mean, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, like, there ain't no excuses. Like, you got weapons, weapons. Um, and Josh Allen, yes, has only gotten better. Um, so, yeah, if they can get their defensive stuff together, I think they're definitely a contender. But, I don't know, time will tell. I think it was, you know, I think this is the perfect price. He's not getting Patrick Mahomes money, but – well, he's not Patrick Mahomes one. But I think it's just, like, around the perfect price. And I think they got um, – I think it was smart that they did it early. You got Baker and Lamar Jackson who are going to be coming up on contract extensions as well. Josh Allen wholeheartedly deserves a lot more than both of those guys. Josh Allen, in my opinion, is a top-four quarterback in the NFL. So I understand why he got this much. But you let's say the Browns go out there and give Baker 35 a year, 30 to 35 a year. Josh Allen's like, okay, no way I should be making only eight million dollars more than Baker Mayfield. So I think it was smart. You set the tone on the extension, right? Or you set the tone on the contract right away, get your money paid for him. And who knows? In four years, $43 million for a quarterback will probably be cheap. Thanks. So, I mean, all power to the Bills, all power to Josh Allen. I've always been a Josh Allen guy. I've always loved Josh Allen ever since he was drafted. And, yes, I'm going to continue to brag about me tweeting that Josh Allen will be the best quarterback from the 2018 draft after Baker Mayfield won Offensive Rookie of the Year and broke the rookie passing touchdown record. Yes, I still tweeted that Josh Allen would be the best quarterback out of them. And he is. So I'm going to brag about that until probably I'm dead. I'll probably, I'll probably brag about that until I'm dead because that's probably been the only good take I've ever had in my life. Uh, but let's get I know that, Justin, you already said that you do. You do believe that the Bills will probably walk away with the Super Bowl in this contract period. That's a lot of years. Um, I personally agree with you, but um, I don't think JB does. JB. I don't necessarily disagree. I think a few pieces still have to fall into place. I mean, like I said, there's a few key pieces that I think they still need. Uh, a running back is definitely one of them. Um, you got to relieve that pressure off of Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was getting Agreed. torn up last year. Um, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss weren't really doing it. Uh, not exactly a viable threat out of the backfield. So – just being able to buy him a little more time would be very helpful. Um, and then, yeah, I would definitely – their linebacker group is pretty decent. Um, they could probably use a little bolster of the pass rush. Um, but other than that, I mean, they got probably one of the best secondaries in the league. Mm -hmm. Probably very close. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah, like I said, just a few key pieces away. Um, and I think they can definitely address that within, I don't know, maybe the next two or three drafts. Well, I feel like if they nail this year's draft, um, they drafted two pass rushers. Didn't they draft Gregory Rousseau? Yeah. And then oh, they drafted uh, 
I forgot who they drafted in the second round. Was it? No. It was. was Would you say Azizi? Was it Aziz? I don't know. I don't know. They. I know that. I'm pretty sure Gregory Rousseau was the first one, 100. percent It was. And I really, I really like Gregory Rousseau. And then uh, second round, they go after another pass rusher. If those, if one of those two dudes turns out, and you get the other one to be halfway decent, you're fixing the biggest need defensively right then and there. You're fixing it, and then. Um, I mean, there's still some decent running backs available on the market. I feel like if you even add Todd Gurley, he doesn't even have to be RB1. You add Todd Gurley to that offense, I think that they can even walk away with the Super Bowl this year, 100%. They got Carlos Basham. from Yeah, yep, Basham. I don't mind Basham either. Um, I like Rousseau uh, hell of a lot more than Basham. But if those one of those dudes – Make an impact. Right oh, 100%. On. They need to. That's the only way they're walking away with the Super Bowl this year is if Rousseau comes out, makes the impact that he needs, and then, uh, you know, they somehow can handle their run game. Because there was times, you look at the NFC Championship game, um, you, it's hard to control the clock with no run game. They're, they had the 9 nothing lead on – they had the 9 nothing lead on the Chiefs, and then, you know, all hell broke loose because they're still passing the ball, which kills clock if it's not working out. Defenses make defenses make adjustments. You know, the passing game slows down a little bit, and then you're not controlling the clock. If you run the ball down team's throats, you can control the clock all night long. So they need to figure it out. I was never the biggest. I, I, I remember when Devin Singletary was in the draft. I didn't mind him, but as like a fourth-round pick. Uh, Dave Montgomery, I was obvi- I'm obviously now much happier with, but I really like De- Devin Singletary as like a fourth-round pick. He's obviously not the guy, though. He has not turned out to be the guy. You know, he's obviously a little small. He's not a bad, you know, receiving quarterback or running back, but he's just not the he's not the guy. He's not your every down back who's going to go get you 80 to 100 yards on the ground every game. He'll have his, you know, occasional breakout games, but that's just that's just not it. It's not working out for them. So I personally think Todd Gurley would even just add a little bit more to their offense you know he's not the greatest running back but you know even when he was doing decent in Atlanta that their offense was clicking so I think you know one veteran RB and um Gregory Rousseau can have a really good rookie year kind of like a Nick Bosa impact to the Niners defense that he had in his rookie year they went all the way to the Super Bowl then I really think that we could see the Bills walking away with the Super Bowl title this as early as this year. I personally believe that Josh Allen and the Bills will get it done in the contract period. So until 2027, I think that, you know, Buffalo will finally be happy, get up, forget about their four Super Bowl losses in a row in the 90s. But um, I think that some things got to play out if it's going to be this year. But let's go ahead and uh, let's move on to Darius Leonard. His contract extension was a fat payday, earning $100 million over the next five years. Fred Warner's paid. Darius Leonard is paid. And that leaves my boy, Roquan Smith. And I don't know if you guys have checked out the Bears cap space lately. It's not in the greatest shape. It's not. You know, it's not in the worst possible shape like the Saints is, but it's not in the greatest shape. And you got to think over the next few years, people or over the next year, actually, people are going to be needed to. Need to get some paydays. You know, you got Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks, his contract is up after this year. He's older. He's probably the easiest option out right there. 
So do you guys think that Roquan Smith has earned Fred Warner and Darius Leonard money? JB, I'll go ahead and start with you. Yeah, I think he's earned it. I mean, he's shown that he's probably one of the best, definitely one of the best linebackers out of that class. Um, but being as young as he is, probably one of the best linebackers in the league or coming up on that. Um He's definitely got a lot of attributes that you'd like to see in uh, your star linebacker. So he definitely deserves to be paid. Uh, I think he will get paid. I think the Bears would be dumb to not. But I also said they'd be dumb not to pay Allen Robinson, and they haven't done that yet either. So uh, I guess I don't know what the Bears, but interesting it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. Roquan Smith is the premier everything look that you're looking for in your, you know, your premier linebacker right now. Sideline to sideline speed. I think he ran a 4540, maybe even a 449, really fast 40 time. Uh sideline to sideline speed, great pursuit tackling, great in coverage, not the best in the league in coverage, but last year he was, you know, top 3 in linebacker coverage. Uh and just the fact that he got snubbed for all pro and pro bowl was beyond me. I mean, 18 tackles for losses as a linebacker is amazing numbers. And it was way more than Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner. Um, I think he was top five in tackles in the league. He had like a 57% completion percentage on him this year um, in coverage I mean, he fills the gaps. He's just so fast. I mean, he's great. He's uh, he's one of those linebackers that can stick with your modern-day running backs and tight ends, which is the way the league is moving. You know, you look at, you know, previous players who were great linebackers 15 years ago. I'm not going to say Brian Urlacher because Brian Urlacher was just as fast and just as great in coverage. But, you know, your old-school brute linebacker, you know, your big boy who's going to go crack the running back when he comes through the middle. That those days are over. You know, that's just the way that the league is moving. It's a passing league now. You need your linebackers to pretty much play the defensive back position. You know, you need him to be able to stick with your modern day Alvin Kamara's and Christian McCaffrey's. You need him to be able to stick with Travis Kelsey. You need him to be able to stick with George Kittle, guys like that. That's the modern day linebacker. And it helps out the run game too. He's fast. He can get back there quick. So Roquan Smith, in my opinion, has easily earned Darius Leonard and Fred Warner money. It's just going to be, will the Bears pay him? And there's going to be some contracts looming over the next few years. So, Justin, I'm going to ask you this. Allen Robinson or Roquan Smith, who is the person that you extend first? Uh, that's tough. That's tough. Um, you know what? This is really tough because, I mean – like you guys said, Roquan, I believe he deserves to get paid. I believe that um, those guys are maybe like a tick above Roquan. I would I would definitely take either one of them over Roquan, but he definitely deserves to be paid, if not the same amount, very, very close. But, yeah, oh, yeah, I would, I would definitely take Darius Leonard and um, Fred Warner over Roquan. Fred Warner, you have an argument. I'm sorry. I give me, I give me Roquan over D'Lo any day. I, that's just my opinion. I think Darius oh, Leonard's a. His, his numbers are all better. Oh, check the numbers last year. Check them last year. 
I'm check my boy Roquan's numbers last year. That's all pro numbers right there. Oh, come on. I thought you were I, I was at least hoping to get some bias out of you, Justin. Come on now. Not I understand. He's a Packers fan, bro. He is not a Packers fan. He's a Bear fan. What are you I talking about? Be. You hear him last week of, about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he might as well be a Packers fan. I mean, that's just straight. I mean, if we're talking Aaron Rodgers, we're talking straight facts. I mean, that dude's hey, just a baller how it is. But I, Aaron Rodgers is just a baller. But, I mean, I, Darius Leonard, is he's a dog. You know, he deserved to be the paid the money that he is. But I'm sorry. Give me – Roquan Smith's a better coverage linebacker than – Darius Leonard is. Roquan Smith's better in coverage. You can give you can give D'Lo the the run game edge, hundred percent. But Roquan Smith is the better coverage linebacker, and his run game defense isn't nearly as bad. I don't know if y'all can hear me. Y'all kind of yeah, I can hear you. Up though. You got us. You got us. So who you ta- who you take who you paying Justin? You paying Allen Robinson? Or you paying Roquan Smith first? Can you hear us? All right, JB, I'll ask you this. So hopefully, we can get Justin back. Uh, I would pay Roquan Smith before I'd pay Allen Robinson. And, well, you got to give some reasoning behind it, big boy. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, I guess it's cliche, but defense does win championships. And you guys have stuck in for so long with a shit offense and a really good defense. So, why not build up that defense again? Um, obviously, defense is much more – much more important, I would say. Um, you could throw the ball to anybody. It doesn't matter who you throw the ball to. Who you throw the ball to, excuse me, sorry. Um, but it definitely matters on defense. It's NFC, just the linebacker. The NFC, linebacker business. Go on, go on. NFC breeds, breeds linebackers. I mean, it's, no, matter, no matter what team, no matter what, like, what division – it doesn't matter. They there's just an all like an all pro caliber linebacker in each division. Yeah, true. Yeah, the NFC is definitely home of the linebackers. You got Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, Eric Kendricks, Roquan Smith, um, John Bostic playing great, and Levante David. Fucking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebackers are yeah. Yeah, you got Devin White. Fucking oh my god, who's their other one? Shaq Barrett, more of a pass rusher, but um, the the, the NFC just got dogs across the board. Uh, Demario Davis, Levante David, Demario Davis is the uh, the Saints stud linebacker. They the NFC breeds linebackers. Who? Juan Alexander. Juan Alexander, solid. And then yeah, you look in the AFC, and it's not that good. You know, you got Devin Bush, Darius Leonard, a few other few other key pieces. You know. uh, the fucking Texan dude who leads the Zach Cunningham who leads the tackles in the NFL like every year. But I'm rocking with Roquan Smith as well because I think it's just he's just he's just gonna be the leader of our defense. You know, we're we're moving away, obviously, as you can tell by our moves in the draft and in free agency, away from the great defense and the monsters of the midway. You know, we cut Kyle Fuller. Uh Keem Hicks is gonna be on his way out, Danny Trevathan's gonna be on his way out. So I get the standpoint of what they're doing. I understand, like, you know, they're moving on to, you know, building around Justin Fields. So I would understand why most people would say Allen Robinson over Oquan Smith. But at the same time, you got to think about who's going to be left defensively. Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, and, like, Belial Nichols and Eddie Goldman. Like, we need to have Roquan Smith there at the same time. Uh, so I, 
he's the he's the heart of the defense. You know, I feel like Roquan Smith's got to be the signing over Allen Robinson. That's that's exactly yeah. I I kind of kind of uh, glitched out, so I, I I don't know if you guys finished um, answering that. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're completely right. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just more afraid of Justin Fields not succeeding. That I would. I think the smart, correct answer is definitely Roquan Smith for everything that you said. Because right, we lose him, then you know now our defense is on a totally different levels. I mean, we. Yeah, so, but I feel like Allen Robinson, Justin Fields needs somebody. Darnell Mooney, I think he's turning out really nice. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we need, we need, he, he need a number one, man. He need a number one. But, uh, yeah, I think the right answer is Roquan. But I, I want Justin Fields to succeed so bad because, I mean, we always got a defense, which is important. Defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. I still feel that's true. That rings true. But, um, yeah, he need, he, I need a number one, man. That's all. I agree. I agree. I, really, I agree. I really, I, it, it's going to be a tough decision. Y'all remember? Y'all remember that? Ah, shit. We probably were like around. Uh, Justin, you were probably a lot older, but um, I was probably around like ten years old. Y'all remember that little fucking Del Toro taco commercial where it was like the families arguing over soft shell or like hard shell, and why not? Why and the little girls? Why not both? That's how I'm kind of feel. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Why not both? Who would you rather sign? Roquan Smith or Allen Robinson? Make it happen. You know, do something. Like y'all see what's going on. Like, you know, they're trying to build a culture. We just got a quarterback. Like somebody, you know, why don't you sit down for a year and we'll, you know, we'll get to you. Just let us, you know. But I mean yeah. it's the Bears, man. It's the Bears front office. <laughs> this is this is I liked, I liked what you said, Justin, and then JB made a face about it. I liked what you said of you know, I'm more afraid of Justin Fields not turning out. And JB was over there like laughing about that. Like, but this dude, like I am too. Like if you are, if you're a very, like, is this the most confident we've ever been in a quarterback in yeah. a long time out of the draft? Yes. Um, we haven't, we, we have not seen confidence like this in a quarterback since when the bears traded for Jay Cutler, who was just coming off a of pro bowl year in Denver. There hasn't been this much, you know, hype around the quarterback since then there wasn't hype around people can say all they want about the hype around Mitch Trubisky that dude was getting bowled at his first booze game bowls game well he was getting booed at his first bowls game that he went to there's never been this much hype around a quarterback since the Bears traded for Jay Cutler 11 years ago so like JB you got to understand like we are still afraid that this dude might not turn out like we're gonna hype him up I get it but here here's my argument kind of being like from an analyst type of standpoint um yeah, I like Justin Fields. I don't like him anymore because he went to the Bears, obviously. Um, but taking a step back and looking at it, a good slash great quarterback can throw the ball to literally anybody and succeed and make it work. I mean, you've seen it with like Tom Brady. You've seen it with Drew Brees. They can throw Rogers, ball. You know, I mean, other than Devontae Adams now, you could throw the but. ball to anybody and succeed. But defense, you can't just toss anybody out there and succeed in the same way. I mean, shit, bringing it back to the Vikings, the Vikings had a top four offense last year, had a bottom tier defense, and we were seven and nine and missed the playoffs. So yeah, what, did, what, what did Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen do for us? Not shit, because we didn't have a defense that got us to the got us to the playoffs. Good point. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, hundred percent. It, that's I feel like I just got yeah Roquan. 
Yeah. He the right answer. But, you know, the heart is like, uh, just find a way. Like said, why not yeah, both? exactly. Why not both? Why not both? All right. Let's 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 move on uh, from the Bears here. Let's go uh, take things to Hollywood. Sean McVay coming out bold, saying that there is zero chance that Matt Stafford will be playing a single snap in the preseason. We've seen this go one or two ways in the NFL. Either it has zero effect on their game at all, and they come out looking like pros, pros, no matter what. Or they come out flat-footed with awful timing and execution because this is their first live, you know, action. Justin, we'll start with you. Is this the right move for McVay and the Rams in benching Matt Stafford for the preseason? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> do you feel like Aaron Rodgers needs to – to to play a preseason game you feel like Tom Brady needs to I mean you know he's a professional man he's been doing this for over a decade he's been doing it at a, a pretty high level even though the results haven't always been you know what they were or what they should have been I mean we know why it's the team around him but yeah I mean he don't need a preseason man he he, he a professional he battle tested and um he just needs to I mean he's gonna go into a new system I feel like, you know, he that's what uh, game one and two going to be for. He's going to knock the rust off. He'll he'll be right back at it. I got a lot of faith in Matt Stafford. He don't need to play a preseason game to – no. Luckily for Matt Stafford, he has the Bears week one, a team that he knows. Um, obviously, they got Sean Desai, Very new defensive coordinator there. So, obviously, there will be some different, different defensive packages. But this is a team that he's played twice a year for the last – 11 years of his career. This is a team that he's familiar with. So that's why I understand the aspect of no preseason for Matt Stafford. Um, it's a new team, though, at the same time. Well, I'll get to the points on why I'm, this makes sense. One, he's not going to get injured. Two, like you said, he's battle-tested. He's a pro. He's a pro. This man's been doing it for a long time now. He's a baller. Um, and then, you know, like that was pretty much about the only reasons why I think this is effective for him. He's been there. He's done that. He's got experience and um, you know, he's not going to get injured. My thing is this dude's never played a live snap in a Rams uniform in a Sean McVay offense. So I understand the point on where he could come out flat footed, even put this man out there for two drives, you know, kind of that standpoint on the preseason like aspect of anything. Yeah. Driver two. Don't run anything, you know, crazy where players are going to get in and it's, if, like, if linebackers are going to get into the passer or defensive ends, don't, you know, don't run anything stupid like that. You know, play it safe, but get this man some live reps, especially with the new system that he's in. That's my aspect on why he should play in the preseason game. But Matt Stafford's a pro. He's a pro's pro. He's He's been there. He's done that. I'm sure that, you know, Sean McVay is not bringing anything new to the table that is absolutely having him freak out. He's probably right. seen a lot of offensive schemes, a lot of different things. This is probably going to be the best offensive scheme that he's in. But he's also ran through like four head coaches and probably like six offensive coordinators. So I think no preseason is right. JB, what's your aspect on it? I mean, you nailed pretty much everything on the head. Um, I get the whole aspect of uh, kind of holding him out to make sure that he doesn't get injured. But at the same time, like you said, in a new offense, you kind of got to be able to act like acclimate to Sean McVay and his offense. It's obviously going to be new scenery, new weapons, kind of getting that chemistry in with them. Um, obviously, they've been doing a lot of that, no TAs and stuff. But, I mean, I get both aspects. I definitely do. 
Um, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way to handle it. Uh, this is just going the way that they want to go about it, and I get it. He's a vet, and he can handle it. Uh, I guess we'll just have to see week one how he comes out. Very true. I feel like we all kind of nailed it on the head there. I feel like there's, you know, there's your pros and your cons of preseason football with veterans like that. Um, I'm sure Matt Stafford will be just perfectly fine with playing preseason football at the end of the day. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up this week. Kind of short episode, not much really talk about. We're kind of, you know, preseason football is here. NFL football is almost here, but we're also still kind of in the dead stages of who really wants to talk about preseason football. Let's go ahead and hop right into underrated or overrated and underrated. You guys know how it goes. We give you two topics, one NFL related and one fun topic related. And we tell you who is overrated and who is underrated. NFL sophomores, second year players this year heading into 2021. JB, go ahead and start with you. Who's overrated for you? God, you want to start with the hottest one, huh? Is it Justin Herbert? I'm fighting you if it's, it's Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. It's oh, my God, bro. Are you saying overrated? Overrated. Dude. This man, bro. Get the fucking say- Justin Jefferson crying phase over with, bro. You cannot say that he's a top 10 quarterback already coming off of one season. No, I mean, no, can't. I mean, no, but There's I mean, so many better fucking options out there, though. I, but you can't. That's the one that gleams to me the most. I mean, you're putting him above. He was above Josh Allen in one of them. Does that not trigger you a little bit? Dude, I saw it on Twitter the other day. Above Josh Allen. No, he's smoking fucking weed. That's it. Josh Allen was nine. Herbert was like seven. I mean, that's just smoking fucking weed. That's just, that's all that is. So, how how do you do that to the point where, okay, the guy's coming off a good season? He broke all of Baker's rookie records or whatever his great accolades were. And then, uh, now he's automatically a shoo-in for the top ten. I just I don't I don't agree with that. You kind of got to earn it in the league. I feel and, like the real the real analysts aren't telling him he's top. The real people behind this aren't telling him he's top. All 10. right. So what is a what is the fair ranking for Justin Herbert right now? Eleven to fifteen. Agree. I I agree. Yeah, but there's been some that are he's in the top ten, and that for that right there that reason. I feel like that's smoking weed, dude. You have to earn it, like you said. I feel like we shouldn't be paying attention to those. I feel like a fair ranking with smart people is an 11 to 15 quarterback. Now, if Probably you, more if you, on the bottom side of 15. You got to think about it. You got half the teams in the league with – not half the teams. So you got five teams with rookie quarterbacks, and odds are if they drafted a rookie quarterback, their team sucks. Right, but if, if, if he comes out and lights it up, all right, make me eat my words, then you're kind of starting to prove yourself. But off of one season, I can't yeah, grant you top ten. All right, uh, we'll move on to Justin here. Justin, who's your overrated sophomore? Overrated. Um, I'm not too big on this one, but and this may be just because the offense he plays in. But I'm gonna say Clyde Edwards Alaire. Oh, um, that's fair. That's a fair one. <laughs> like I said, Somewhat I mean. Fair. You 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 can't necessarily tell, but he was uh pretty much I think he was what like kind of splitting reps with uh Le'Veon last year, right? Or he just he just wasn't didn't he he just wasn't too impressive from what I saw. Um, did he get injured? He got injured, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that that plays a part into it. Um, like I said, you can't necessarily tell because of the offense, but 
But yeah, so class. I, I, I like that pick, honestly. You know, everyone saw his pr- impressive Thursday night football game, opening game against the season for uh, the Chiefs, but it was against the Texans. Everyone had, you know, a little bit more faith in the Texans week one, and it turns out that the Texans were, you know, the worst. Nobody predicted them to be the worst team in the NFL last year. So they weren't good. I mean, I didn't predict them to be any good, but nobody predicted worst team in the NFL last year. That's why I feel like, you know, everyone's seen that week one hype, but he's definitely, I, I, I like that aspect because he definitely is not the best running back in his class. And he was drafted as the best running back in his class. So I like that pick. I feel like that's a fair, you know, overrated pick right there because he's not the number one running back in his class, but he was drafted to be. You know, I feel like I like that. I like that. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm an LSU guy, so a little, a little hit home, but. Um, I definitely would say that he's not the best running back of his class. But I don't know if anybody's, like, really making him overrated, if that makes sense. Like, nobody's, like, talking him up. Like, Clyde's not a big talker. No, 100%. I feel like it's just the the fact of where he was drafted, kind of. Yeah, yeah. and that, mm-hmm. I get 100%. I agree with that. And then that's kind of what – that's kind of my pick here um, is where he was drafted – players that went behind him, kind of a reach aspect of this. I'm rocking with Henry Ruggs. I'm going with Henry Ruggs as an overrated pick. I like Henry Ruggs, but he's definitely not the best receiver in his class. I feel like the Raiders 100% reached on him way too quick. Um, And I just don't, you know, they're like Tyree Kill is pretty much the only offensive system where it works of the fact that kind of in the sense of, you know, Oh, number one can be that player. And I just don't feel like, you know, Henry Ruggs is going to be that true number one in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Henry Ruggs as an overrated player. You know, he's not the best wide receiver in his class by far. Um, I'll take CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and arguably Jerry Judy over him. And they were all drafted behind him. So I'm going with Henry Ruggs. Let's move on to underrated, though. NFL sophomores, JB, who you rocking with here? Um, I thought that I'd go with Antonio Gibson here. He's starting to get a little more recognition, but okay. he's still underrated for what he's uh, been able to accomplish. I feel like that man's going to be a beast if he gets a full season behind him. Uh, and I definitely like what he's got going on, especially for, again, where he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Antonio, Gibson's, Antonio Gibson's a great pick. You know, not a lot of hype around him in Washington, but, you know, he's playing like he could have been a top five running back taken in the draft. Justin, who are you rocking with? Um, yeah, I actually love that um, Antonio Gibson pick as well. Um, you said him, Jerry, Judy, man. I feel like uh, he's having a great camp from what I've heard. I saw, like, a couple of clips and things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's having a pretty good camp. I feel like Drew Locke, man, he didn't have a quarterback. And he even admitted to, like – Oh, I was a little flustered. I was trying to learn the playbook, and, like, he said those things. So, I mean, he knows what he has to work on. They said it looks like he's improving in training camp, and I, I could see the potential of him being a, you know, big-name receiver. He just needs some more mm-hmm. consistency. He needs a definitely a better quarterback, but um, I feel like Jerry Judy is a star in the making. Everybody doesn't, you know, you can't just – everybody don't just blossom out the gate, you know, so – 
Oh, another mm. pick, real quick. Um, Jeffrey Okuda. In Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's underrated as well. I feel like a lot of these cornerbacks they take time. For sure, mm-hmm. cornerbacks. A lot of cornerbacks take three or four years, but I mean, he had a, a pretty bad season last year. But um, him as well. He was I injured just, a lot as well. Yeah, I got. I, I just got faith in him. I, I believe. Unfortunately, he plays for the Detroit Lions, but um, yeah, I think he's gonna be a problem. Maybe three or four years down the road. I like that. I still have faith in Jeff Okuda. You know, obviously, he started off with Matt Patricia. He had injury issues. I feel like the man is just kind of getting slapped on, you know. Um, he still can be a premier cornerback in the league, and I feel like, like you said, things take time. Uh, my underrated option for second-year players, you know, I do want to go a little biased here, but I'm not going to. I was going to say Darnell Mooney, but the hype has been, you know, building around that man. And uh, I feel like Cole Komet is probably rated probably about pretty even for where he's at right now. Nobody's thinking of him as a top tight end in the league, but people are not sleeping on him as well as, you know, potentially a big future guy. So my underrated second year player is LaVisca Chenault out of Jacksonville. LaVisca Chenault, I think, um, you know, not many, not much hype around him because he's in Jacksonville. But I think that this year with Trevor Lawrence, that man's going to ball out. You know, he's a He's a big bodied receiver, kind of that old school um, style, but he's got a lot of speed with him, too. Uh, I just think that he's going to do great things with Urban Meyer and, you know, that collegiate system that they're going to be running in the NFL. And he's going to have, you know, now a good quarterback tossing him the rock. So I'm, I'm bought in on LaVisca Chanel Jr. You know, I think that he could potentially be better than Jerry Judy, who I do like. I think that LaVisca Chanel could put up. I think he's going to put up better numbers than Henry Ruggs this season. And I think that he could put up better numbers than Jerry Judy this season. Bit of a stretch, especially with it being a new system. But I feel like, I don't know, I'm really bought in on LaVisca Chanel Jr. And I think he's going to be that guy. Uh, Yeah, like I said, I wanted to go Darnell Mooney, but I didn't. JB, I have an idea, decent idea of who you're going to say here for your underrated player second year. Maybe I'm completely off, but I, I'm ready for it. Was it? JB. What? I already said mine. It was Antonio Gibson. <laughs> oh. I was gonna say yeah. Did I did I miss it? So yeah, it was Antonio Gibson. Never mind. What did, you, right. what did you think I was gonna say? Well... Cam Dantzler. All right. Hundred <laughs> percent thought you were going Cam Dantzler. Not gonna be biased. <laughs> Hey, I, my choices weren't Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet. I think two or two. Two, two is kind of under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. He, I feel like it's just everyone's against him now. Well, yeah. And so that's why, that's why I think it's a good underrated pick. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a high upside. Okay. Let's move on to our fun topic, condiments and sauces. You know, what you're putting on the hot dog, what you're putting on your burgers, you know what we're talking about. Justin, let's start with you. Let's go with your most overrated condiments and or sauces. <laughs> overrated. Um, I'm going to say Miracle Whip. I absolutely hate Miracle Whip. Like, I hate Miracle Whip probably almost as much as I hate Green Bay. Like, it's, it's <laughs> real tough. 
Like I hate Miracle Whip. It tastes like salad dressing. Like oh, you like I don't understand how you eat it on a bread, s- s- sandwiches. I Miracle Whip gotta go. I'm sorry, Miracle Whip's overrated. It's I gotta go. I like that pick because personally I like mayo, but I hate Miracle Whip. I like mayo, but I hate Miracle Whip. JB, what's your overrated condiment? Uh, Trace Dolly's not gonna like this one very much, but I'm gonna have to go with ketchup. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fuck ketchup. Ketchup is garbage. Hey, Pat Mahomes yes, like sir. That. Fuck Patrick Mahomes too. Hey, we're out here doing bold things on Pinewood. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of salt. Fuck Patrick Mahomes and fuck ketchup. Man, that shit is trash. That's why I, I was going to go with ketchup, too. I feel like I can't. I'm rocking with ketchup, though. Ketchup is garbage. The only thing I could ever put ketchup on is French fries, and that's if I mean, the fries are bad. The fries have to be bad for me to be putting ketchup on my fries. They have to be garbage. I mean, they just... I mean, it, it's awful. Like, it just is not good. Like, it, a little tangy. Like, I don't get me wrong. I like some tangy things, but I don't know what it is about ketchup. I don't care what kind of ketchup it is. I don't care if it's from Heinz 57 or some other fucking company. It's garbage. It's just not good. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be hating on us for this, JB. But I, I respect it. And I love the Miracle Whip pick, too. I mean, we nailed, right, we nailed it all across the board because I like mayo. But Miracle Whip is trash. And then ketchup right on the head. Underrated sauces, boys. JP, we'll kick it off with you. Then we'll toss it to Justin and I'll wrap it up. I don't even know if you guys would know about this one. But I'm going to say it's underrated just because I just started putting them on my burgers. But I'm going to go with uh, it's like a wall burger sauce. Like what? I mean, is it like a, is it like a Thousand Island style? Or is it like a Thousand Island base? I, I, well, I don't know what exactly they put all in it, but it's got – it's like the consistency of – I would say the, the consistency of almost like a mayo, but it's got like tang of like a barbecue sauce type of – Oh, I'm switching ketchup. Barbecue sauce is overrated as hell. <laughs> barbecue sauce is overrated as hell. I'm switching from ketchup. Know, you you got to try it. I'll bring some to the apartment. I'll, I'll hand. I'll, I'll try the wall. I mean, I'm always down for trying some sauces out. But barbecue sauce is just as overrated. That shit is not good either. It, I mean, like, if you put in, I mean, if we could even consider uh, A1 barbecue sauce. Like, if you put an A1 on your steak, oh, like. That's steak sauce. That ain't yeah, barbecue that's sauce. sauce. Yeah, that's, that's, Whatever. that's, that's different. Different okay. bracket. A one is overrated too. What are you putting on your ribs? You dr- you eating dry ribs? Nah, something better than barbecue sauce. What about your pulled pork sandwiches? Ew, no, I cannot have barbecue in my pulled pork. Oh, dude, what you eat? That that's where you're weird. No, yeah, you guys just think I'm eating some bland ass pulled pork though. No, I just I spice it up in my own ways. I just don't use barbecue sauce. Like I'm not eating some bland ass pulled pork. I got my secret pulled pork sandwich. You know, first of all, mayo up the bun. You mayo up the bun. You put mayo on the bun. It's always a lock. But on pulled pork, you get you get some. You give me you give me some uh, little little Cajun pepper, not pepper, some sauce or spice. Put some Cajun spice in the meat, and then I'm straight. 
maybe a little slice of cheese if I'm feeling frisky. Provolone cheese. Stop. No, no. Stop. Just stop. It's fine. Just stop. Stop. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's not even pulled sandwich at that point. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, know. it is. It's not called barbecue pulled pork. It's called pulled pork. The, all the the only thing is is pull, it's pork that is pulled apart. That's the only reason it's called pulled That's pork. Typically with barbecue sauce. Typically, typically, and to even get made, and then people add more barbecue sauce on top. You violate that entire that, that entire sandwich, Will. I'm sorry. That's yeah, tweaking. You guys are tweaking. Mayo and the sauce right. of cheese. <laughs> And some Cajun spices, you know. I I don't care, but you're talking mayo and a slice of cheese on a pulled pork sandwich. Uh, and what are you putting on your ribs? All right. I don't eat ribs that much, you know. I'm not like an avid rib eater. You don't eat meat. That's what I'm hearing. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true at all. Look at the fucking size of the steak. Here. Oh, now y'all are pissing me off. Look at the size of this fucking steak. I just pulled this bitch out my size of my fucking forearm. Tell me I don't eat meat. Make sure you eat, uh, eat that with a slice of cheese on it and some mayo. Shut the fuck up. That's okay. That's okay. All right. Justin, let's hear your fucking underrated sauce. Underrated. Um, Nothing too out the blue. Probably, I don't know, born pick mayo. I love mayo. A lot of people don't like mayo, surprisingly. They like that demon... Miracle Whip sauce, but yeah, I love, I love it. <laughs> Demon Miracle Whip sauce, you fucking I'm, right. I'm not, I'm not putting it on no pulled pork sandwich, but I love, I love me some mayo. I ain't gonna lie to you. Respect, like, respect across the board there. I think, I think ranch is another good one. Yeah, I was, I was thinking ranch, baby. You See, right. look, I love ranch, but I feel like it's not overrated at all. I feel like people really ha- ranch is just as hyped as ketchup. I'd argue. Like people, people value ranch. <laughs> yeah, people value that shit heavily. Like, I don't think it's overrated because, you know, I think it's amazing. And I feel like it should go on pizza and stuff like that. But I can't say that it's underrated because I feel like, like Jay, like Justin said there, you know, it's valued. Yeah, but I feel like there's a big fall off. It's either everybody loves ranch or nobody likes ranch. Like, I, feel like I know more to... people. I feel like there, I know more people that like ranch stuff than don't like it. Yeah, I do. So I, I I feel like that about a uh, blue cheese. It's either you like. Oh, it. if you like blue cheese, I hate. <laughs> don't don't do. Do you like blue cheese, Justin? Yeah, I. It depends. Oh, I'll probably choose ranch over. What'd you say? You muted it. I need some blue cheese. Ranch over blue cheese any day. All right, my underrated sauce is honey mustard, hundred percent. Honey mustard is gas. That is gas. Honey mustard is fire. I you like if I'm eating chicken, I need honey mustard or ranch. Honey mustard, dude, like it's honey mustard slept on. Like people, people are like, oh, we're having chicken tonight. Let's get some ranch. Uh huh. Give me some honey mustard, please. <laughs> chicken sandwich. Give me some honey mustard, please. Give me some barbecue sauce. Ah, I'm about to end this fucking meeting right now. <laughs> With some cheese and some pepper. <laughs> Hey, that's that's gonna be the joke for the week. Y'all come over. Yeah, I'll make up some pulled pork, and y'all can't have barbecue sauce. And I'm telling you, it will be gas. We're gonna let you have it for a week. About that, man. All right, oh you. We got your overrated. We got your underrated here. You know, NFL sophomores condiments turned out to be a bigger beef than the NFL sophomores did. But we had a great show today. 
Um, we'll be right back here next week. 29 days until, well, when you guys will be listening to this, it'll be 28 days until the NFL season is underway four weeks from tomorrow or today when you guys are listening to this. I can't, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that about wraps things up for the Pinewood Perspective, episode two. I'm Will G. I'm JB. I'm Justin Matthews. And this is the Pinewood Perspective. See y'all next week.